Hi, this is Mark. Thanks for choosing to listen to another episode of Explore Finland radio show. This episode was recorded in autumn 2017, where I went out on the road with my girlfriend Satu and Hera Boris, the dog, and we recorded one of my road trip photo blogs. And on the same day, we also recorded this interview in the town of Narpes and Narpia in Western Finland, about an hour or so west of Seinäjoki, where I am now. And we met with Marianne Winter. Marianne is a tour guide for the town of Narpes, and we specifically wanted to go and explore the unusual, the curious stables around the, the church in Narpes. If churches aren't really your thing, nor, nor mine either, but they're often a, a good way into the culture of a, a country or of a, an area. And this area of Pohyama has certain idiosyncrasies that we talk about and explore a little bit in this episode. So how about if I head over now and let you listen to my conversation with Marianne in Narpes. So I'm here today, I'm joined by Marianne Winter. She's the town guide for the town of Narpia or Narpes. And we'll soon get into why this town has two slightly different names. Marianne, thank you for joining me today. Mm, yes, welcome to Narpes. Thank you. And we're, we're here inside the church at Narpes. Um, you're the town guide. Maybe please tell us a little bit about what we need to know about this church. Well, uh, uh, the oldest uh, parts are according to one of the wickers, early wickers, uh, from 1435. But experts, uh, there are uh, church experts in Finland that say that uh, this church is actually 100 years younger. But that hasn't been proved, so we, we usually say 1435. And you can see uh, the walls there with the, with the older parts. And then uh, it, it started off as a square with a vaulted ceiling, a uh, very small church. And then uh, it was extended uh, in the 1500s, 1600s. And actually, one very important event was 1555, uh, when uh, the bishop in Turku, Mikhail Agricola, came here and consecrated the church uh, and uh, he, 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 he gave it the ma- names uh, Santa Maria. Uh, it was consecrated to the Virgin Mary. And uh, of course, uh, Agricola was uh, a reformist, so this became a Lutheran church then. And uh, then, uh, in the early 1700s, there was a period of war. In Finnish, it's called Isoviha, Stora Ofreden. Who was the war between? Uh, it was between Sweden and Russia. Okay. Because uh, uh, Finland was then, uh, uh, of course, a part of uh, Sweden. Uh, and I mean, there have been very many wars between Sweden and, and Russia. Oh, and Finland is in between the two, yes, so that's exactly, the battleground. Exactly. Well, but then, then the church was very run down, so we had this vicar, Henrik Karlborg, uh, who then wanted uh, the church to be repaired, but he also extended it with the southern arm, and then he had a sacristy built uh, 
in the northern part, we always talk about, uh, you know, these south and north and mm-hmm. east and west. Mm-hmm. In that uh, I, it's I, typical. I said to you before we started that uh, I don't spend a lot of time in churches, but mm. I always like to come into these Finnish churches. They all look different. And yeah. this, is, this is beautiful. It's a pale green colour inside, wood, mostly wooden, um, in, a, in a cross Mm. in a yes. cross shape and a beautiful organ at the far end. Yeah. I'm going to put some pictures in the notes for the, yeah. for the episode. Right. So. Well, uh, uh, that was in the early uh, 1700s. And then uh, later, in the, uh, during the second part of, of, uh, of the 1700s, we had another wicker, Johan Lahiander, who, who then ordered the sacristy here to, to be taken down and moved... Uh, further away, and uh, instead uh, he had this uh, northern arm uh, built. So after that it became actually, it it got the form of a cross. Yes, yes, Mm. which we can see. But back to Henrik uh, Karlborg, he he was a very interesting figure. Uh, He wasn't pleased with the old pulpit. Yes. Uh, So he had a new one uh, built. Uh, so it's uh, it's actually a very early rococo, roco- they say, and you can see the four evangelists yeah, it's, depicted it's, there. It's highly decorative, and you always think of Lutheran and Protestant churches being more um, more simple and plain yeah. than Catholic churches are. But there is there is some gold leaf decorating here, and some and some mm. beautiful pictures as mm. well. And uh, beautiful paintings. He, he, he was also said to have uh, uh, bought this, uh, this uh, chandelier. chandelier. Uh, and uh, he, uh, he also uh, bought the first organ. He, he, was, uh, he represented Nadpes at the parliament in Stockholm. So... So uh, at the same time, he, he bought an organ and he also brought an organ player to convince the congregation that this was a good thing. But the congregation was a little sour uh, because he had to wait nine years be- before he got the money back. Okay. He had bought it for the organ for his own yeah. money. But the one we have over there no- now is uh, the fourth organ, a, a Danish Christian Zen organ. And uh, in fact, then uh, the oldest artifact that we have here in the church is this crucifix. Uh, it's from uh, around 1470, and it was made by a uh, master in, uh, in Lübeck in northern Germany. And uh, the sculpture itself is, is oak. And uh, uh, behind that, you actually have a, a, a chandelier that's quite different from the others. Uh, yes. These, the others are, are more or less in the same style. This was brought by evacuees from Yakima, which uh, was a, a municipality on the northern shores of Laduka. It was brought here in 1944. You know that they uh, had this to... Is, this is when the, uh, there was this internal... Um, Migration when when the yes. land was lost to to, to Russia, to, yeah, yeah we, or Soviet Union. And that's yes, right. of course, of mm, course. Yeah. I, I actually, I've recorded a podcast about this very yeah. event and Satu, 
who is with us here today, oh. her her family were evacuees. Yeah. They they didn't travel quite so far. They moved to Kite. Yeah. Just yeah. just inside. Yeah. But the the the, uh, the Yakima then had about ten thousand. Uh, inhabitants and all, all came. Uh, uh, the uh, current Narpes area took uh, 3,400. Uh, 3, from that one area? Yeah, from wow, that one okay. area. And the rest uh, were placed in neighboring countries so did around. Mo mo most of those people from that one town, Yokima, came this far yes. west to yes, the, the west they coast, did. didn't okay. they? did. Interesting. And, uh, uh, this church actually uh, served as their church uh, during, uh, during uh, roughly one year, one and a half year. But then, uh, then uh, of course, this was a Swedish-speaking area, and uh, the Yakima people, they were Finnish-speaking, so eventually they were uh, uh, replaced. Mm. Uh, in in Finnish-speaking areas yes, okay. uh, uh, near here, Kauhajoki, yes, okay. mm, for one example. I'm going to tell you a little about the altarpiece. It was made by Per Hörberg, uh, a Swedish uh, court painter, and he has actually made 89 altarpieces. Uh, most of them you find in Swedish churches. Okay. This is the only one in Finland, they say. Okay. Oh. And uh, before, uh, it was the trend at that time. So uh, before that, the, the crucifix was the altar decoration, but then, then the altarpiece uh, or the painting substituted. Yeah, a large, large mm, paint, painting of the crucifixion yeah. there on, on the wall. Yes, one interesting feature that you also find in other churches, uh, we have these seven, seven uh, gravestones in the floor, uh, five here and two in the sacristy. We can go there and have a look at the sacristy too. It's, pr it's uh, rather nice. Six of them are from the 1600s. It was the tradition then uh, to, to bury uh, clergy the clergy and also their, their families. Within the church? Yeah, within okay. the church, under the church floor. And are, yeah. are there remains still there? Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, 1953, there was a big renovation here. They installed central heating. They, they uh, took away the floor, replaced the floor, the ceiling, uh, the benches were renewed, the windows. We actually have a, a couple of of the old windows on both sides of the altar. But it was much warmer when we came in, so you yes, can tell that, yes, <laughs> that yes. it's not still we, the We original. got central heating. Yeah. <laughs> and then there has been a later renovation uh, when, uh, when uh, the no northern uh, arm uh, was exactly like the, the other ones, uh, but uh, the benches were taken away, also the gallery, to make place... Uh, give place to the organ. To the organ yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's about it. So we've just walked from the main part of the church into the sacristy, small antechamber to the side. What, what is this room used for? Well, uh, uh, the minister or ministers, sometimes there are, are more, more than one, uh, they, they, and also the organ player, they came, come here to prepare for the church services or other events that take place here. 
And we can see a, a few wooden desks and tables around here. There's those two gravestones in the floor that you mm. that you just spoke about, and and paintings on the walls of some of the former, ministers over the years. Former vicars, yeah. uh, starting with Hendrik Carbor that I to talked to you about, and then Laihian there. Those two were responsible for the uh, extension of, of the church. And then uh, there is one missing, because he had to escape from the Russians in uh, 1808. Before his picture could be painted. Uh, right. Uh, okay. I think his picture was painted, but it never came here, okay, apparently. Okay. And uh, then you go on to the newer, yeah. newer Wickers. And you can see the, the hairstyles becoming more shorter and more modern yeah. as, we, right. as we progress. Yes. And uh, also here we have a Charles Twelfth Bible, Karl wow. Twelfth. He was a, a Swedish king. Yeah, beautiful old leather-bound mm. Bible it, in, a, the, in a display it's case. It's from Huge the, book. the early 1700s. Now, outside this church, there's something else that makes this place even more special. Maybe why don't we go outside and uh, talk about that? Okay. So now we've stepped outside and this is what I think the church here is, is all about. Um, Marianne, tell me, what, what are we looking at here? Well, we're looking at, uh, among other things, uh, 150 church tables. Yeah, it's an incredible, it's an incredible sight. There's, there's just one next, next, to, next to each other, rows and rows of these wooden red stables with yellow doors and some with, with black doors. And look up both sides, it, it looks like a, a holiday camp or something. But, but maybe you can explain why there are all these stables here. Well, there used to be uh, close to 400. Uh, and uh, the oldest stables here are from the 1700s, uh, but most of them are from uh, the 1800s. And they were used as stables for horses. People came from far around to go to church, uh, and uh, they needed uh, shelter for their horses. So uh, while the people were at church, the horses were in the stables. They, they were fed and sheltered. Tell me a little about the, the culture of, of coming to church back in, back in those days. We, we're in, as we said, the Swedish-speaking part, part of Finland. Um, were there traditions coming from, from Sweden that, that needed people to use these stables? Well, in fact, uh, uh, there, are, there is a place in Dalekarlia in Rättvik in Sweden where they have these church stables. Uh, there are 87 of them. I, I've actually been there, so I've seen them. And uh, then in Sweden, uh, I, I don't know about Finland, but in Sweden there are a few uh, places like Gammelbyn near Luleå and and Levonga near Sjelefto, where they actually have these uh, uh, church cabins or houses, small houses where people actually stayed. Okay, so were they 
Were they travelling here for, and staying here for a long time? Was it some kind of pilgrimage? or? Uh, no, uh, I don't know about the pilgrimage. I, 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 I'm not aware of that. But uh, because this was the church, uh, the only church for quite a few miles, <laughs> uh, people came from uh, Korsnes, Jurvateuva, Kristina uh, Kaupunki, Kaskinen, in fact, didn't have its own church till 1965. So people were travelling a long, a long way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, though Kaskinen had a, a, a room in a big house where they ha- ha- held church services. Like a chapel or, or Yeah. Uh, well, no, it was a big, uh, big house, a merchant's house, Bladskogården, or Bladintalo in Finnish. And do I understand correctly that people would come here for the whole weekend? Uh, yes, they could do so. But then later, of course, they came, uh, came for the day uh, because Nerpes uh, grew smaller. Uh, earlier, uh, Nerpes extended from the, the southern border of Kristinestad, uh, close to Vasa. Uh, but there, that was in the 1600s. But then, then uh, uh, in, in the 1800s, there was a, a, a municipal reform. And, uh, yeah, and, and also before that, uh, Kristina uh, Kaupunki was was uh, uh, founded in uh, 1649, I think. You better check that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Koskinen in 1785. So so the area of Narpes kind of became smaller as yes, these other yes. other towns became and, a, a little uh, bit bigger. So then then it, they came for the for the day or for the chur- uh, services. Yeah. Um, and. Put these, put their horses in these in these little stables, in these little garages where they yes. could be looked yes. after. And the uh, and the uh, protruding roof uh, was you uh, there. They then put the put the the carriage or the the uh, sled okay. in winter. Okay. So pulled yeah. it. Yeah, because as you're looking at it, the roof, as you said, protrudes mm. maybe a meter or two yeah. over the uh, away from the front door. So yes. Uh, not on all, but m- most on yeah. most most of yeah. them actually. If you if you look on yeah. that side, almost all of them, and and also these in front, there are a few. I will I will take some photos when we finish talking and put yes. them in the in the show notes so who yes. the listener here can actually see what we're yeah. talking about. It, uh, is it possible to have a look in? Yes, one of I these? can show you one of those tables. Okay. I, I've opened the door already. Okay. And uh, uh, you talked about uh, some doors being black and some uh, doors being yellow. Yes. There's actually <laughs> something special about those, uh, or or actually no, nothing much special. But in 1880, the parish authorities decided that the doors be painted black and also all the stables uh, that were in front uh, be, be painted red so that it would look nicer. Okay. Then 36 years later, they, they decided uh, suddenly that uh, the doors should be painted yellow. And uh, uh, the thing was that uh, some people didn't bother. Okay. So that's why we have yellow and black doors. So are they owned by individual people? Well, actually, uh, they still are. 
Okay. Uh, but uh, but I mean this is a this uh, this is a place. It's a cultural heritage, and uh, also the the congregation or Natpes for Schamling, the parish, mm. takes care of of the of the maintenance. Yeah. Uh, to go back to history, in 1930 there was a command from a, a higher church authorities in Finland uh, uh, that all these uh, should be taken down because they they made the, the environment ugly. They were a disgrace no. to the environment. Did they, they look said. bad in those days? Though? Have uh, they well, some, some of them did, yeah. yes. Uh, so I think that's why why they reacted, and uh, that's why uh, we have them here. But in in other places they 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 took, them down. they took them down. So when people were coming here for the church service mm. or for the weekend, mm. they each had their own their own stable. Uh, yes, yes, they did. Every homestead, so to speak, had had it its own. Uh, in in the stables there, uh, in the smaller ones there, there's room for two horses, and then some bigger ones can take three. Right. Okay. And was there some um, like hierarchy as to who had their stable? Uh, no, where? no. It has to do with the the region okay. or the villages they came for, from. Uh, the stable we're going to see uh, belongs to uh, the ho- Mangord homestead. I think they're from Böle. It's a southern village. And, uh, and all, all those uh, uh, stables that are in the same place, they, they come from, uh, uh, people from the southern villages own, in- own those. Interesting. So, mm. so it's almost like the village all came en masse and yeah, then right. settled all together yeah, around right. the around the church yeah but i was going to tell you about this uh, uh, in the 1930s uh, the uh, the you know the taking down on the stables was discussed the matter was discussed at length here too uh, but uh, nothing was uh, decided because they were protests. The, the latest uh, stable that was built was built in 1937, and it was, uh, it was a farmer from uh, uh, Uttamark, which is 10 kilometers north of here, uh, who, who, who protested against uh, the taking down of all the stables. So, so and uh, in uh, 1939, there were, according to the, the Wicca, it is there were there were 207 or 9 i can check that uh, stables and then you know the war started so nothing was done and then 10 years later uh, opinion had changed so and uh, they decided the parish authorities decided to to let them stand yes and then in 1963, uh, this was made into a, a cultural heritage. Yeah, and and it, okay, and and, it, and so it should be because mm. I discovered this for mm. myself when mm. I came to Narpio, mm. Narpes, a year ago, mm. and I was looking for a, a, a building to have a meeting for work, mm. and we missed our turning, and we drove down here, and suddenly mm. we saw all these barns, as we thought. And I was with a, a young guy from Nepal, mm, mm. Um, and we were both like, wow, 
what yeah. what is this place yeah. it, it's it's a good thing that it's been yeah. kept and that there's yeah. there's people like you to, to tell yeah. us about it a, a couple of summers ago we actually uh, took uh, took uh, some of the asylum seekers and and immigrant uh, workers on on a tour in Erpes. we went to the seaside and then and then we at the end we came past here and then they woke up. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what are these? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Actually, it's, it's really, yeah. it's really interesting yeah. to to see because, and, and I went back to Seniyoki and I told people, hey, do you know about this church mm. in Narpes? And uh, everyone was like, no, what's what's there? And I mm. told them, and mm. even Finns from one yeah. hour's drive away were yeah amazed to hear about it. Yeah. Well, we actually get a lot of Finnish groups nowadays and they, they come from the neighbouring uh, municipalities and a, a little further away to, yeah. to see. And uh, actually on Saturday I'm getting, uh, I have a group from Lappi near, uh, near Rauma. Yeah. It's a part of Rauma, I think, now. Uh, and they're, they, they're coming uh, specifically to have a look at the stables. Really? Yeah, they don't have much time. They're going to Vasa to this uh, uh, World Heritage site. There's but a lot of there's a lot of World Heritage to yeah, be seen and yeah, cultural heritage yeah, to be seen along right. here. Maybe you can tell me a little bit more about Narpes as a as a town. Um, I learned that it, it has a very interesting dialect. How long how long has the town of Narpes existed? Well, uh, I mean, uh, as I said, uh, uh, 1331 was the first time then uh, when uh, when uh, uh, the name Narpes was uh, mentioned in a historical document. And uh, they know then there was a, a priest here because those were ca Catholic times. And there, there was uh, in fact then uh, a wooden church not too far away from here, but we don't uh, know the exact place. So that's sort of over mm. 600 years now. Yeah, but, uh, but of course uh, there, ha there have been uh, people living here uh, uh, for 6,000 years. And what about the, the language? We're in, I, I live in Etelapokyamar, it's Finnish speaking. We've crossed the border, this big invisible wall between Etelapokyamar and Pokyamar. And I was told everybody here speaks Swedish. And then when I came to Narpes one year ago, I was told, ah, we have our own dialect. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, uh, not everybody speaks uh, Swedish as their first language in Narpes, but 82%, per and that's a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, we also have Finnish speakers, uh, roughly 5%. Uh, but then we have a, a very big... Uh, we, a big uh, uh, population from abroad, 13% uh, uh, now, the, uh, this time, uh, have, have other, other uh, uh, first languages. And uh, I mean, it, it has changed during the past 20 years. I think. You mentioned before about there being a lot of migrant workers coming into this area, and this is, this is to do with the local industry, the tomato growing industry of which Narcos is very proud. Yes, main, mainly the, the tomato and cucumber in, industry, the greenhouse industry. Uh, that's where most of these uh, people find work or come to work. 
but some of them have also come to this these uh, trailer factories. Yes, I I actually learned the other day that the most common family name in Narpes nowadays is Nguyen. Yeah, and and actually I worked with somebody from Vietnam who said you pronounce it Huen. Ah, oh, you do. Huen, yes, but it's it's. Vietnamese uh -huh. name N G U Y E N. Yes, uh, you're right. Uh, in the newspaper, I, I read it too that that this Vietnamese name is the is the most common. We've also been recommended this restaurant to eat in that's inside the greenhouse. Have you yes, have you been there? What is uh, this? Linz Chuk. Have yes. you have you been there? Oh yes, uh, I try to go there at least once every summer. Okay, and in, uh, I enjoy their food too. They they. Uh, in in summer they they from end the end of june to mid august they have lunch there so that anybody come can come but uh, at other times it's it's uh, you have to order and and uh, i think they they want groups of 10 and more and and this mm. is fine dining narpes style yes uh, I, I i noticed they had a at seven course tomato based um, menu so mm. if, if anybody is coming to the area uh, definitely come here check out the church in Narpes and then maybe find yourself some dinner at Linsjok. Yes absolutely I've, I've just uh, enjoyed their uh, their ordinary lunch but uh, it's tasty. Okay. I love their, their panna cotta with either a tomato or a cucumber sauce. There you go. So you have to bring the tomato and cucumber <laughs> even into the dessert. So how, how does the dialect differ from standard Swedish? Mm. Well, in, in Arpus there are actually uh, three, uh, three different uh, uh, versions of the dialect. But one thing that makes it uh, special uh, or, or, uh, or different from standard Swedish is that we have three genders. Okay. Uh, uh, standard Swedish has only two, so we are three. So, so does so does the human race? How do, uh, how is how is this language managed to find a third? Uh, three d uh, gender uh, genders is typical of ger uh, German. Okay, for I don't I don't speak German. No, they, so. but the German still has uh, the three genders. Okay. Uh, so we we say well, uh, I make it easy now. Uh, Storin, uh, that's masculine. Uh, Sofun. That's uh, feminine, and then bore, that's uh, neuter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's one typical thing, and then we have actually a, a lo lot of diphthongs. Okay. Yes. That makes it special too. We have old diphthongs like in in Stein, Reuk, Brot. Diphthong is this uh, sound with two vowels two together vowels. where you yes. where you flow yes. from one to the other. Uh, I learned this word when I started learning Finnish. I've yeah. never heard it before. Yeah, Finnish has a lot of diphthongs. Yeah. And uh, and then uh, then uh, those are older diphthongs. Then we have newer like in rev, what, hör. And then we have a lot of these sh sounds. Uh, like stinne, stjorton, stjärnon. And this is different to standard Swedish? Yeah, absolutely. They do have them in, in 
standard Swedish tube because it's a shin, shotan, shanan, but they're they're not as strong. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Okay. Think. How is the how is the Narpes dialect different from Finnish Swedish? Well, uh, uh, it is different uh, actually. Uh, I'm not uh, an expert on the dialect, mm. but. Uh, as far as I know, it uh, it's closer to Old Norse okay. than uh, than uh, of course standard Swedish, and uh, then people visiting from northern Nor- Norway have also said that it resembles their dialects, okay. and uh, even uh, it touches on Icelandic. Do you know why? Why did it come here, and, and why did it sort of only only settle in this in this town? Well. Uh, Every 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 uh, place, every municipality, and even uh, you can say uh, every region here in Pohjanmaa, uh, Stabotten, they have their own dialect. So, so oh, in really? that in that way, is uh, Narpes is not special. Okay. Uh, but uh, of course, our our dialect is special for us. But if I go to Kokkola, for instance, I have a hard time understanding really? when when they speak their dialect. Okay, interesting. Yes, interesting. so uh, dialects uh, you find uh, all the way along the all coast. All the way, yeah. just like in okay, in Finnish speaking Finland. So I mean, the Rauma dialect, for instance, is is uh, famous. And uh, in Savo, <laughs> yeah, have okay. the dialect. No, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, everywhere. So now we're stepping inside one of the stables. You'll hear that from the, again, the sound quality will change. We've been in the church, we've been outside the church, and we're now inside one of the stables. So, Marianne. Describe this for me. Tell me what we're what we're seeing. Well, we're in a church a stable, and it says here from 1732. Yes. Okay. And uh, it's one of the stables uh, used to to shelter horses while people were in in church. So this would have been one of the smaller ones that you said before held two horses. Horses, yes. We have this centerpiece here, so I guess there's one each side. Yes. And there's a feeding trough. At the back there, so that would have had feed for the for the horses. Absolutely, and uh, mo- most of the original uh, stables had floors. So this is uh, you got. To, we there are there are many stables here which are not in, in as good as condition as this one. Uh, so without floors, yes. but actually actually. The, they had floors. Yeah, and this door looks very small. I mean, even me and Satu, we're not the tallest, but we had to sort of duck to come in. Did the horses come through that same door? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, but they say horses were smaller in those days. Ah, okay. But Per Erik Björklund, who's one of the church wardens, uh, told me that a few years ago they actually tried uh, getting a horse inside here and it worked. It still worked, even yes. with bigger modern day Absolutely. horses. Absolutely. Well, uh, probably it was not the biggest horse they found. But they still managed to get one yes. through here anyway. So, so it's uh, it was doable. Yeah. Okay. It's really, really because uh, that that's actually one thing that uh, that people ask about. How, how how did they manage to get the horses inside? But they are they are very. Uh, 
how do you say uh, agile agile animals so they managed to get themselves get themselves through the door into the shelter of mm. the stables mm. Mm. when in the winter time it yeah. would have been very cold mm. outside and there is uh, uh, enough room here i think for a horse to to get around or back out yeah yeah it's interesting thank matt marian thank you so much for your time today and for showing us around here I really appreciate it You're and um i will now go around and take some photos and um add those to the show notes so thank you for for your time mm, you're welcome thanks again to marianne for her time when we visited narpes uh, if you want to check out the show notes for this episode they include some of the photos that we took on that day remember to subscribe to this podcast rate and review the show that'll help me find more people to join the audience also you can connect with me on social media or on twitter at explore finland on facebook explore finland radio show also on instagram mark underscore explore finland all different ways that you can keep in touch with me in between episodes of the show i just wanted to say hello to a few people that have started following me in recent months on facebook so there's ruben who's in mexico there's keke in london lori who's in uh, indiana in the us uh, jamie who's in the uk margareta anuka who are both in finland uh, Mohamed, who's in Beirut. Uh, Jenny, who's also in Finland. Uh, I think actually here in Sainioki. So nice to have local listeners, Jenny, as well as uh, those overseas. And also to Spencer, who's uh, who's based in the UK. So you can see there's there's people all over the place that are interested in, in understanding a little bit more about what goes on here in, in Finland. And I'm, I'm very welcome to have you along with me. If you've got any subjects that you'd like me to uh, try and cover in the podcast i've had a few requests one was from keke uh, another one was from henry and i'm trying to bring some of these episodes to uh, fruition um so keep in touch let me know what you like about the show what you don't like and until the next episode of explore finland radio show thank you very much and goodbye